Getting into the network marketing, building my business and stuff like that, as the years went by, I wasn't really on social media like that, but then I got back on social media and like, as I'm having conversations on there or even off there, I realized even in my conversations about like getting like clients or business partners for the network marketing business, I would be giving people strategies on other stuff in those conversations without like me thinking about it now. I was kind of already navigating that way without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And so when I got into a position where I was like thrown into full time entrepreneurship, it was like I started to utilize those things that I was already doing without thinking. Extremely passionate about helping corporate professionals transition into entrepreneurship. So I had to share the one thing, the number one thing that helped me develop as an entrepreneur, and that's the morning meetup. I joined the morning meetup specifically for the structure because I'm I'm leaving corporate America, so I'm used to those morning huddles. We got our sales, we know what our goals are, and we get our day started. So I was missing that for two years before I even found the morning meetup. Now, the second thing that I really, really benefited from was the revenue, revenue generating activity was not necessarily a thing before 2021. Now I had my LLC, I had my website, I had a few clients here and there, but the momentum really took off as soon as I got around like-minded individuals and people who really knew the struggles that I was already dealing with that I could get over my fear of sales and communicating my value and putting myself out there on social media. The friends that I've developed, the mentors and the mentees that that I've created relationships with, Everything has really created this environment for us to thrive as entrepreneurs. So if you want to develop as an entrepreneur, you're leaving corporate America and you're trying to figure out how do I get my footing in entrepreneurship, then the morning meetup will definitely be a game changer for you. You can learn with us. You can grow with us. And I didn't even mention that we have a book club. Join us in the community. Let's get started today. You will not regret it. Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle, and I have the fabulous Amma the Great here to join me. Hey, hey, hey. hey. <laughs> this is about to be lit. I heard <laughs> so on the Work and Play Podcast, we get to talk about career transitions, life transitions, self-fulfillment, and all of those things, those great and wonderful things and how they apply to your life. Yes. So, but before we get into your story, I definitely want you to introduce yourself. So without further ado, take it away. Okay, so hi everyone. Um, my name's Ama. Uh, I go by Ama the Digital Strategist. Um, I've been in business for myself for oh, about a year now with my company, Everlasting Perception, where I give services as it relates to virtual assistant services, also a little bit of private coordination and also some strategy. I work particularly with solopreneurs, um, small to mid-sized business owners, and also to, with leaders of nonprofits. So that's just a little bit about me. I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So for my, just for my understanding, like tell us what all does a digital strategist um, comprise of? Like what makes up a digital strategist? Oh man, I would say someone, so I'll give you a long story to kind of explain explain it because uh, when I first was uh, came up with the concept for well, for the name of my business, Everlasting Perception, I actually was going to name it Wise Counsel. So because for me, a lot of strategy comes from wisdom and I'm a person of faith. So a lot of like the concepts and the ideals that I get when I'm working with Even when I'm having conversations with friends, it always comes with some type of level of counsel 
on like how to maneuver and whether it's with business, friends, relationships. So that was kind of like the perspective that I was giving with digital strategy. It's not me just giving like concepts and perspectives based off of my own ideas, but a lot of like the consultations that I've had with people that are thinking about going into entrepreneurship for themselves, or they've been in business for a while. Or I, I did some consultations with artists as well, mm-hmm. um, helping them with like concepts of how to like market themselves or put themselves on um, social media platforms. It always started from just like personal conversation of just us just talking and building a relationship. Mm-hmm. And as I'm like listening and getting an understanding of like, okay, why did you choose to become an artist? Or why are you choosing to go into this endeavor? endeavor? What's your values? What's your... Um, what's your vision and your purpose? And once I hear that, then I'm like, okay, then you should kind of maneuver this way. So that's what I think of when I think of strategy, if that that mm-hmm. makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense. So, so then yeah. where's the digital piece come in? The digital piece comes in with, because um, most people, when they think of digital strategies, they go automatically to social media. Right. But I think beyond that, I think as it relates to like systems. So for example, one thing that I talk about with like entrepreneurs and business owners or even leaders of nonprofits is more so like, okay, you're doing all this admin work yourself and you're not focusing on those income generating activities that you need to be focusing on. So like, you know, maintaining your client, more client acquisition and things of that nature. So strategy in that way is like, okay, you need a virtual assistant. Another thing is you have all these documents that you don't have a system for um, and you don't have any organization around that or you have projects that you're managing, but you don't use the actual system to manage it properly. And that is a collaborative system that act that allows other people that you're working with to be able to manage the project projects appropriately so you should use asana or you should use trello so giving like um strategy and that spirit as it relates to systems and things of that nature outside of just like oh you should be on social media doing this or you should be on this doing you know things of that nature yeah now it's starting to click yeah when you think digital strategies i associate that with brand strategies Mm -hmm. which is a little bit different because yes we think social media but what it sounds like is it's like a business coach who helps you become a brand in 2021 yes has all the to do with the computers and the systems Mm -hmm. and social media if if we're talking about that right not just that, but the triggers and the systems that go behind how you're going to push out these messages. Exactly. And then how you're going to have a consistent message based on your values and who you are. Yes. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Okay. I got you. Um, and then you talked about like when it comes to new entrepreneurs tapping into like why they decided to, to jump into a business. Mm-hmm. Tell us what's, what's the difference between the conversations that you have with a nonprofit that already has existed mm-hmm. versus like a new entrepreneur, a new entrepreneur. So I, I think about even myself, like, mm-hmm. you know, my own personal story. Um, that conversation is more so they're like, oh, I have this idea that I want to do something, but I'm just not sure. Or like a lot of them, it, when it's like their first time launching into entrepreneurship, they're kind of nervous. So they need a lot of like confidence, like self-confident building into just launching into that or just like a conversation of what that would look like. Uh, for example, I had one, you know, consultation with one person that was looking into like starting their own skincare line. So they were like, OK, what are some things that I need to look into before I even start that? So like, OK, building up your social media proof or your social 
social media um, presence and things of that nature or getting into like, OK, you need to look up maybe different manufacturers and you need to be working with or even look into maybe a partnership you can make and not just building something from scratch. Mm -hmm. So like those different conversations would be more nuanced in that way versus someone that's more established. They're like, OK. I need more order and structure with what I'm doing because I'm doing everything and I'm losing focus on things that are would help me more with getting more grants or getting more sponsorships or getting more funding for my nonprofit. So I need more structure and organization. I need somebody to help me with admin work. I need somebody to help me with scheduling. I need someone to help me with uh, reaching out with people and sending different documentation for different things. So that conversation would be more nuanced in that direction. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And then a nonprofit comes to you and they're like, I can only imagine the conversation like, okay, I, we need to get a grant. So we need to get our digital presence together mm -hmm. or like what, what's the nonprofit come to you for? And what's their typical problem? So one, I would say one client in particular that I work with, he's, he's interesting because he owns like a nonprofit that's more in the faith based arena. And he also it owns his own accounting business and he's been an accountant for about 15 years now, 15 years and counting. So that conversation was more so like, okay, I have this nonprofit, I have this thing that I'm doing, and I have this project that I want to, uh, I want to uh, launch with my nonprofit. So I need help with copywriting for this project. Mm -hmm. So I need help with documentation for this project. I need help with uh, building communication with other people as it relates to getting funding and uh, for this project, or I need help with building, uh, with scheduling appointments w with different people to make partnerships for this project. So that conversation is more like nuanced in that way for that particular situation. And then I had um, another. Well, that wasn't really nonprofit, so that doesn't really go with that. But yeah, that's just to answer that question. I yeah. So for solo entrepreneurs, it's like getting clear on what their brand is going to be and then how to how to position themselves externally and internally mm -hmm. um so you do all of those different like connection points mm -hmm. and then like a, non a non-profit is like hey i have this initiative that i need to make work mm -hmm. what kind of things do i need to have in place so that it is good from a foundation right level? that makes sense okay 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 so one thing that i really appreciate in your interview like your introduction is like be making the different, uh, putting the like making the differentiation between. Well, you didn't make the differentiation. I make the yeah, differentiation yes, yes. between wise counsel and advice. Mm -hmm. Because as a coach, I'm like, I could give you advice based on my personal experience. Right. That's where you made the dif differentiation. It's like advice comes from my personal experience, and this is what works for me. Mm -hmm. But then wise counsel is taking in consideration the client. Mm -hmm. So you really have this like this um. I would say personalized experience in mm -hmm. the way you do things. Yes. So like, where did you find that, that that insight is what works better for your client? Um, It's interesting because it's kind of something that naturally came from just how I deal with people, mm -hmm. like in my relationships, um, whether that's friends, family, or even people that I'm just meeting. One thing that I really am very like, it just grinds my gears when we're having conversation, when I'm having conversation with people and I'm just sharing things or like thoughts that I'm having. And they automatically take that as like a situation for them to give advice or to just give perspective. Like, was it an un unwarranted advice? Right. And I can't stand that. 
So like one thing that I'm adamant about is doing the total opposite. So like I ask a ton of questions to people to just understand like, okay, what's your thought process? Like what's your ideals? What's your perspective about this and about that? And then once I feel like I have, I've had that like internal, like, yes, to like come in or like I'm welcome in, then I share for sex. So that's how I am with like my personal relationships. So I just automatically like transition that into like how I do business, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Yeah. As you were explaining, I'm like, that's exactly how I feel. There's a difference between advice and wise counsel. And like I've never heard anyone else say it in that way. Yeah. So I just I just clung to it as soon as you said. <laughs> Plus it kinda goes back to what we were talking about before we even started rolling, which mm-hmm. is like I just wanna get a chance to understand like where you're going because if I don't need to provide advice, then I won't. But, <laughs> but if you haven't thought about it, then maybe we yeah, can talk about right, it. So right. I love that. Yeah, yeah. That's just something that I've just been I'm really passionate about. Yeah. I've been passionate about for a while, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to stay away. So mm-hmm. um, thank you for pro- providing like a little bit of foundation on yeah. like what you do as a business uh, person. So let's get into the woman. Like where, so where did you, one, where did you grow up? I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, born and raised. Uh, my mom was born and raised in St. Louis. She's the middle child of five children, uh, mm-hmm. raised um, primarily by a single mother, but she was married multiple times, but majority of the time. She raised her kids herself. And then my dad, he was born in Nigeria. Uh, Yeah, so he's born in Nigeria. He lived there up until he was like eight. And then he moved to the States when he was eight. So if you ever get a chance to meet him, you probably wouldn't be able to tell that he's Nigerian. But yeah, so... I got you. Yeah. Did, did your parents, um, were you raised by both parents or did they, did they split? So raised by both parents, they're still married. Uh, they got together. Ooh, they got together with my, my brother. So I have an older brother. So when my brother was like really young and then they had me and then got married and they've been married ever since. So they've been together for over like 25 years. Right. I hope I said that right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't be good with like keeping track of no, like with some things. So yeah, I got you. Yeah. So were you always interested in like entrepreneurship from a young age? Uh, it's interesting because it's like I never knew of that word or that concept, but it's like entrepreneurship and business has always been surrounded by me. So like my grandfather on my dad's side like owned his own. Uh, was it a was it a corner store mm-hmm. in the in our in the community? And then like I have like an uncle that's been in um, multiple different businesses. He got into scrapping, and now he like is really into real estate. He owns like multiple properties all throughout St. Louis, um, and he's done like contracts, uh, construction contracts with the city and government in St. Louis. So it's like I've been surrounded by, it, but I never like thought of like yeah, when I grow up, I want to be an entrepreneur. It was more so like I was always like super creative and like very imaginative. Like I'll be the person in class or just by myself like daydreaming or like writing, journaling and things like that. And I always had like multiple ideas of different careers that I wanted to have. But now like looking back on it as an adult, I just realized that I just wanted like, I guess like some type of autonomy with mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. And I know that entrepreneurship would give me that. So it's kind of crazy how life goes. Yeah, and then yeah. you're finally here. You have a little bit of that autonomy that you're talking about. Yeah. So then when you were at, at, at which age did you start to say, okay, 
you said you were thinking about different career paths. Yes. And, but at some point you had to say, okay, well, this is what I'm going to college for, or this is what I'm, which, this is what I'm interested in high school. So when did you start to get an idea of like, okay, this is what I'm going to study? Uh, so it's so interesting because like even when I was in high school, it's funny how like a lot of like, I don't know, if a, well, I'm sure probably other people had this kind of experience, but how culture kind of like determines like your career mm -hmm. objectives. Like, let's say if you watch like Grey's Anatomy or something like that, and you're like, ooh, like this yeah. looks so interesting. I want to be a doctor. <laughs> so for me, I was really into law. Like I was really into, I still am kind of into law, but like I would watch like Law and Order, SVU, or uh, di like different CSI or different shows like that. And I remember at one point when I was in middle school, I was like, oh, I want to be a Supreme Court justice because I read a book about Thurgood Mar Marshall because I'm, I'm really into history as well. Like I'm really geek. I'm geeked out for history. So I was like, oh, I want to do that. And then I looked into what it would take to become a Supreme Court justice. And I was like, I don't want to be in school forever, so I'm not going to do that. So I transitioned from that. To, I was like, oh, I want to be an FBI agent, but I was like, dang, like, I'm going to have to keep secrets from my family and all this types of stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that either. So, like, once I actually graduated from high school, I was like, I want to be a forensic scientist. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll go to school for biology and become a forensic scientist. And then, like, a month before I actually uh, was gonna come to Atlanta to go to Spelman because that's where I went to Spelman College. Uh, um, I did, I got invited to do an enrichment program at one of the schools in St. Louis for the optometry program. Okay. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And they were gonna pay me a stipend of like $400 to do it. And I'm like, you know, I'm 18. So I'm like, ooh, $400. <laughs> 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 oh, summer. Okay, I do this. So I ended up doing it. it was in, I ended up being very interesting. But what's the optometry program? You said optometry? What, what is that? Yeah, so it's an eye doctor. Oh, optometry Yeah, okay, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, it's an eye doctor. Oh. So, yeah, so I did that program. It was interesting. I got to, like, dissect a cow's eye. I got to actually work with... Uh, a black owned uh, um well is a black optometrist in the community who owned his own practice and i worked with him for like a couple of days it, i think it was the last week of the program i was like wow this is like really cool so i was like maybe i can do this <laughs> so it's like uh so i ended up still going to us filming for uh, uh biology did biology my first year but then i got really involved in like community service work okay. so volunteering with like the ronald mcdonald house um it was like um dang it was so many different um organizations but it was like this other program books for africa where we would collect books to be sent to different the uh, developing countries in africa it was another organization where we would collect medical supplies to different countries that did not have them and send them off to there mm -hmm. so it's like all this community service work and i'm like man like i'm actually like the idea of like working in the nonprofit space mm -hmm. and i was really passionate about people and really passionate about doing like purposeful work that really would help others. And of course I could do that as an optometrist, but the reason why I got into, well, I thought about the idea of being an optometrist really isn't really because I was like, oh, this is this altruistic thing that I'm really passionate about. I was just like, oh, I did this cool program, it's $400 and like, oh, you can make money, a lot of money doing this. So, like that was kind of the idea. But um, then, 
for me, I've always been like really kind of adamant about my faith and I got really like uh, involved in like ministry and stuff while I was in school. So I was like, I want to do something that I believe that God's calling me to do. So like that's what made me like transition out of like my degree in biology. And I actually ended up changing. Well, I changed my major like three times from international. Yeah, I changed it from biology to international studies um, because I like I wanted to do nonprofit or uh, non-governmental work abroad and also in the States. So I was like, oh, I can learn from international studies. But that program really didn't have the support system that I think I needed for me to like flourish. So I was like, okay, I transitioned from international studies and ended up transitioning to sociology. And that's what I got my degree in. Um, and once I graduated from college, I was like, okay, I'm gonna work in a nonprofit sector. Um, my, my dream job was to work for CARE. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they did like a lot of like the international work and, and things like that. So is I care a nonprofit? Yes, care is a major nonprofit. Mm-hmm. They, their office is actually here in Atlanta. It's funny. One of my friends actually ended up working there and now she, she works somewhere else. But, um, but yeah, so that was like my dream job, but like I actually got connected with somebody that worked there. Um, I applied for positions there and things like that, but things just didn't work out. So I ended up just going into corporate, into the corporate sector and working in like the healthcare and IT sector. And I worked in as a client services associate for like two years and then transitioned to project coordination. Um, and while at that time, still working at that company for about five years, I was still like into, I was into business more so in the network marketing sector. So I did like, I went to a lot of leadership conferences and things like that. A lot of like, uh, personal development sessions and things like that. And meeting a ton of people and building that business. How did you get exposed to network marketing? I got to expose to that while I was in college. Oh, really? Yeah, I was, um. Yeah, go ahead. Well, was, okay, so, one, so because one, you made two trips. We went straight over like, the two transitions. Like, for a lot of people, that's like all, people do not change their degree. I'm not. I'm not gonna be here for more than four years. I just gotta stick here. My parents will be mad at me. So what was going through your head when you made these two transitions? Well, this it, it was interesting because I took those things into consideration in like. When I went to college, I came with college credits already. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and then you had a little time yeah, to make decisions. Yeah, oh, okay. I had time to make decisions. So, I came with college credits already, and mm-hmm. I've like full loaded sometimes for some semesters. So, even with all those changes I made, I, I ended up graduating a semester early. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you full loaded some, some yeah. Years. I guess because you knew, okay, well, I'm, I had to take a new class in here that's not, <laughs> take, that's not, it doesn't count towards this degree. Mm-hmm. So now I got to, but then still you kind of overshot and you still. Yeah, <laughs> you did the semester You're early. You're a hard worker. Yeah. Has that always been your work ethic? Yeah, it really has. Like, I always have this conversation with people um, about, like, with school. Like, some things in school came easy to me as it relates to, like, creative like writing I've always been like good with like writing or anything with reading because I love reading mm. I I started uh, my dad would take me to the library as young as like seven eight years old and I would get like multiple books and I read all of those books like all throughout the summer and I'd be like just reading 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 so I love stuff like that but it's like other subjects that didn't come easy to me that I actually had to put effort and work hard in so like I've always been that way. Even Which ones were the classes that you had to go hard in? Science and math. Like, those real, like, like mm. 
those type of classes. Okay, so you had this foundation, you had this creativity, you had this kind of like desire for autonomy, Mm -hmm. and then you were interested in law. That's what we knew from young. Yeah. Then you got this optometry like internship (laughs) that kind of took you this way. You went biology, which it kind of sounds like, so for me, I I realized I spent seven years in data analytics and that was not my Wow, yeah. So the top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resource. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode. It sounds like optometry like took you this way, mm-hmm. but then biology, science, those courses were just not your ju- your juice. Yeah, and it's crazy because I like even when I transitioned out of uh, biology into the international studies, then ultimately soci- sociology, I was actually doing really good. In the, but I had to work. Like when I say I had to work hard, okay. like, I had to study a whole lot, mm-hmm. and I stayed in office hours. Like I stayed in office hours, yeah. so that was yeah. So of the three, you know, majors that you had in high school or college, which one took to you a little bit more naturally then? The sociology. Got it. So you finally <laughs> got to where you were supposed yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. The sociology came like. It came so easy to me. I'm not even going to study. Like sometimes we would have papers that would be due and I would do them the night before and I would get like A pluses. Like it just like that's how easy it came for Mm. me because I always would with sociology. It's it's a ton of reading and a ton of writing and I love writing and I love reading. So it just came easy. When when you think about like how easy it was back then, Mm -hmm. do you feel like you either um, do you know, do you know the value? Did you know the value of how easy it was or did you ever feel like "Mm, this is easy? This is nothing. How did you feel about that? Um, It's interesting because like I think in the beginning of it being so easy, I I did see the value, but I don't know if it had something to do with like when you get closer to like your senior year, you're like, okay, like this is easy, but like I'm ready to get this over with. So kind of like that perspective. But now looking back, I'm glad that I changed to that major because it was definitely an environment with things that I naturally have a gifted yeah so yeah i think that's a blessing yeah a lot of people spend so long misaligned Mm -hmm. and then even to like tap into your gifts sometimes you 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 discredit your gifts because you're like okay well i do this all the time Mm -hmm. like nobody's gonna pay me for this yeah something and if you don't work hard for it it means it's not worth something exactly like i don't know how we get those like mentalities but that's a blessing yeah it's interesting because i think a lot of that mentality comes into like the culture, like the work culture that we've kind of like created or cultivated, where it's just like you got to work hard and not coming from a place of ease. And even like when it comes to like the work that I do, transitioning out of that, like oh, work hard and that thing and kind of working from a place of flow. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's really important. That's things that I'm like still learning and even cultivating in my life because I realized like when I work from that place of flow, things come easier and I I'm working in that flow of like things that I'm naturally gifted at rather than like spending majority of time with stuff that I'm not good at and I'm not naturally gifted in so and you gotta work twice as yeah, yeah, times, times as hard to make it work, <laughs> to make it work versus, versus working in that space of your natural gifting like 
you ended up end up doing more work in less time. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So at which which point did you get the um, multi level marketing like come into play? Ah oh, man, so I was I think it was my soft it was my sophomore year, and one of my friends that I was really close with and I did like ministry work with, she kind of introduced me to the concept of it and things of that nature, and I ended up like my was it like my junior year going to this conference in Portland by myself and it exposes exposed me to that industry and I just learned about like the importance of like you know financial freedom financial independence like the importance of having something that you own and can pass down to generations and Mm -hmm. understanding like the value of like legacy and things like that so I definitely learned I learned a ton in that uh, arena also learning about the importance of like your daily habits. So we we did like a lot of read, like we were part of like a reading program. So we would uh, have a book a month that we would read and we read it on a daily basis. And I already loved reading, but a lot of the books that I would read personally had to do a lot with like history mm-hmm. and um, creativity or like uh, folklore or um, not nonfiction and things like that. Um, and a lot of the books that we were reading in that arena had to do with like finances and business mm. and um, entrepreneurship and uh, leadership. So mm-hmm. a lot of like John Maxwell books, a lot of like Robert Kiyosaki books, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and things like that. So I'm definitely glad I got exposed to that because that helped even with my perspective of how I navigate like business now. Um, so I learned a ton from that arena, for That's sure. Awesome. Yeah, I know a lot of people. Now that I'm in the entrepreneurial space, I know a lot of people who who did MLM first, mm-hmm. and I just love that grind, that grit, yeah. that personality that comes with it. Yes. Did you have to? So, but everybody in the world not world but like everybody on the outside looks at mlm like mm, that's a scam, a scam. This is so like did you have to deal with that when it comes to your parents you went to portland for yeah, a girl, I, yes girl I, I did definitely have to deal with that at first but after a while so for me and my parents understand this i'm a stubborn person like when i'm like like gun ho for something it's nothing that you could say to stop me and my parents like okay even when it came to like the conversations about me changing my major i remember when i was like i told my mom that i was going to change her major to sociology she looked at me like are you like are you really like what are you going to do with this and i had a whole plan and i had a whole thing set up she's like okay well go ahead because it's just like she knew in her head she's like I can't convince her otherwise, so I might as well just go with the program. <laughs> so it's the same thing with like the multi-level marketing perspective, whatever. Like I definitely get did get a lot of pushback from like family, some friends and things of that nature. But then after a while they saw like how serious I was about it and even like me, like I'm already like an adamant I I read a ton, study a lot. So like studying why people have these perspectives and like just understanding different things that I need to know and engaging with conversation about like uh, network marketing and things like that. So they understood like I knew what I was talking about. So Mm -hmm. after a while, like I ended up getting like clients from my, um, well, customers from my family and friends and things like that. So yeah, I definitely did deal with that pushback. And I do understand like people's like perspectives, like, oh, this this scam and things like that because just like in any business or any industry you can treat something like a scam you can have pastors and churches that treat things like a scam you can have 
people that are in positions of power in government that treated like a scam and mismanaged funds. So it's like any arena you can treat something and do it illegally, but that doesn't mean that everybody in that arena does that. Yeah. And from my perspective, it's set up, if you don't treat it like a scam, it's set up to generate wealth and generate income. Yes. Almost from nothing. Right. As long as you have the grit. Exactly. What I love about MLM, and it's kind of coming up for me right now, Mm -hmm. and all the MLM motivational speakers, like of the people I know who do it, the lesson is, how to make yourself most valuable so mm-hmm. you can attract wealth. Exactly. Because literally, if you can develop your human capital, like yes. yourself, you can do whatever you exactly. want. Exactly. Yep. So that's so true. That's lit. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm glad you agree because yeah. there are, there's something there's some thoughts that I have in my mind of like how I would like to tap into MLM networks in the future. I've never done MLM, but yeah. I respect it. Yeah. I, I believe it's a scam. I respect it wholeheartedly. I still have my partnership with my business now, and I still get some uh, some customers to buy stuff from my stores even now, and I probably will never let it go because I understand the value and I understand what I gave from it. Like you were saying, that building yourself up. That human capital piece and attraction of wealth. I mean, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. I love it. So speaking of transitions, at this point in your life, there are, uh, well, of course, the transition into college. You went, you came from St. Louis to Atlanta to go to school. Mm-hmm. You changed your major twice. You went into MLM and mm-hmm. really like just jumped into it full throttle. Mm-hmm. You have this like... You said that when you when you reached pushback, you had like your answers together, right? Mm-hmm. So, do you feel like it's necessary? Do you feel like it was necessary for you to have an argument, or do you feel like? I think what I'm what I'm trying to get to is like when you reach pushback, sometimes um, you'll have naysayers. Yeah, right. You'll have people who doubt what you got going on. Right. And you had an idea. You had an argument, so to speak, to say, "Hey, this is why I'm doing it." Mm-hmm. Did did you ever come to a place in your mind where you're like, I don't need to explain myself to you or I don't need to have a plan. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to do it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because I just realized like some conversations are just fruitless. Mm-hmm. Like they're not fruitful. Mm. Some conversations were like I had those conversations with pushback. They turned into a fruitful moment. Okay. But a, ton, but a lot of times it didn't. It just because... Uh, it's one thing one of my my mentors from the network marketing space would say a man convinced against his will is of a of the same opinion still. That's good. And so I'm like every time I was like, oh, because it's true. Like you kind of trying to push back on someone's pity that they are dead set on. Let go. Yeah. Let it go. Mm. Like I tell you, I do not have conversations like that anymore in my life because I just feel like a lot of times they're just not. Mm. <laughs> so yeah that's real I, I love that you said that because when i'm thinking about transitions and i encourage people to move forward there's a whole thing like there's a whole your mind is going to tell you all these different things mm-hmm. but if there's something you want to do yes a plan is necessary having a strand, strategy communicating that would be it's a great thing yeah but if you're gonna do it you better do it and know that just make up your mind to do it because at the end of the day like i don't think convincing people or even trying to convince yourself, like, you just have to kind of do it at some point. Yeah. And having conversations around it. Because then that might make you change your mind. Exactly. 
So Ooh. true. God bless you for yeah. not taking <laughs> yeah. it. On. I, hey, God, thank you, God, man. <laughs> thank you for making me stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a real thing to be grateful for. Yeah, I really am, because yeah. that's what it is. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you have you graduated with a degree in sociology. Mm-hmm. You're still in my, um, MLM. Mm-hmm. What What did you do next to get into corporate? You said you, you got into corporate. You had a couple positions, but yeah. So, um, so the idea. For me, I wanted to get in the nonprofit space. So I was doing a fellowship uh, with a nonprofit. It was going okay, but it really wasn't going that well. So I ended up ending. And so like, I just ended up like applying to like a ton of positions in the corporate space. And then um, I was still interested in like the health piece when I graduated from sociology. So I actually had like a minor in public health or whatever. Um, so. I was looking for jobs that dealt with like being like a health analyst or something like that. Mm. And that's how I ended up finding one of the com- the company that I was working with four or five years that was in the healthcare and IT space. And I found that, well, it was like a health analyst position that I ended up not getting, but they ended up calling me back for the client services associate position. And that's how I got into corporate. Okay. Yeah. And you went into corporate from like client services uh, within what industry specifically? Um, so they the clients that they worked with were more so with insurance companies. Okay. So they helped with like their billing, like medical billing and stuff like that, making sure that um, the insurance companies weren't underpaying or overpaying for claims that they were receiving for people that were under their policies or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the company that I was working for, they created like um like rules or like different data sets to help with those things so that they weren't underpaying or overpaying for those those bills and stuff like that. Mm. So that's what that injury was. Mm. Do you feel like you use your sociology degree at all to do that? Um, I would say I use my sociology degree um, definitely from like the reporting and analysis because in sociology we had to do like a lot of like so, uh, social statistics and data analysis and we had to do like a, um, what is it? Uh, it's like an exit, uh, what is it called? Where it's a thesis project. Mm-hmm. So we had to, I had to do interviews with people for my thesis project and then I had to like record those interviews, uh, capture the data from the uh, interviews. And then I also had to create like data points and analyze the data and then talk about that in, in that. So I use like those skills for the position in client services. Okay, yeah. I like how you were able to even say that because a lot of people don't even value um, undergraduate experiences and undergraduate degree and it doesn't have to be okay i got a sociology degree and now i have a sociologist job yeah it's like those skill sets that mm-hmm. you use that come along with you is how you literally just explained it yeah <laughs> makes a lot of sense yeah. okay so from there like when did you start to develop this like desire to become like a digital strategist like what was the first person who said hey i need some help um it's interesting because like Going back to when I was in school or even before I came, I went went to Spelman, I was always kind of interested in, well, I started blogging at like 18. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, so I was doing like uh, the blogs on Tumblr. Back when they had the WordPress. Yeah, oh, yeah, on Tumblr, even before people really got into WordPress. Mm-hmm. And I was actually starting to create a name for myself on Tumblr. Um, my name was like, I'm a the visionary on, on Tumblr. So I did a lot of blogging, like content that way. So 
I still like held on to that even when I was in college, like doing all these things and all these academic stuff. I had like my own website where I would develop my own content. I would do commentary on like news, on music, because I'm also huge. I'm, I love music, like everything about music. Mm -hmm. So I did like commentary on music, on faith, on news and things like that, just in my own time. So it's interesting, like as I was like navigating that corporate space and like even getting like getting into the network marketing, building my business and stuff like that. As the years went by, I wasn't really on social media like that, but then I got back on social media and like, as I'm having conversations on there or even off there, I realized even in my conversations about like getting like clients or business partners for the network marketing business, I would be giving people strategies on other stuff in those conversations without like me thinking about it now. I was kind of already navigating that way without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And so when I got into a position where I was like thrown into full time entrepreneurship, it was like I started to utilize those things that I was already doing without thinking, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. When we, go into, when we go into business, at least as social entrepreneurs, solo entrepreneurs, the business idea, the concept I did, the con business concept that I typically encourage is that whatever you're doing right now that you don't even think about, mm -hmm. what you could possibly get paid for, it's valuable mm -hmm. because people are already needing that from you. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then one thing my business coach also said, always says, Miss Jamila Harris, she would say, like, there are things that are special and unique to you that are of value that people are willing to pay for. Absolutely. And this. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, I would say that's probably been the one of the things that I've had to learn and experience because I grew up in a strategic world mm. and my, my skill sets are all like intangible, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm just like, when you realize what people need from you is what you're really, really good at. Exactly. It's the craziest like feeling. It really is. Yeah. It really is. You're like, dang, I can really get paid for this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, am I like, is this a scam? Am I scaring people? Like, this is wow. This is crazy. Thank you so much for watching the Work and Play podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Boss Up Conference, which is a community for entrepreneurs, CEOs, celebrities, and corporate executives to come together, network, and solve some problems. Thank you all so much for being supporters of the Work and Play podcast. And thank you for watching the Work and Play podcast and all the episodes before. Now let's get back to the episode. I think like a project or like some hobby that I would develop on my own is like learning how to make beats. Cause I think like production is just like mm. so amazing. And even if you think about like the psychology around like what music does to you mentally in your brain, yeah. like it's, it's deep. But yeah, so Snow Allegra, I'm old school. So I, I have like old school playlists. I'll be listening to like a lot of Teddy Pendergrass, mm. like Stephanie Mills. Anita Baker, I'm not listening to her on streaming right now because she don't want us listening to her on streaming right now until oh. she on her rights to mm -hmm. her music side. So That's I why it's hard to find. Yeah, her. she's like she's fighting for her rights right now. So okay. I'm like I'm Team Anita, so I'm not I'm not doing it. Yeah, so it like and then really into hip hop. So you'll probably hear me playing a lot of like old Kanye, some new Kanye. I'm a huge Kid Cudi fan. Like I, I listen like to, Cudi. yeah, I love Kid Cudi. He's more motivational than I realized. He is. If it's um, he did a TED talk before. Yes. That TED talk was so good. <laughs> I was like, I said, woo. I said, who is this guy? Yeah, he is super.
super motivating, very innovative. Like I love his mindset and his perspective and I love how he navigates music from like a vulnerable, like open space. And I, I don't, you don't really see that a lot in mm -hmm. hip hop. Yeah. So it's just very refreshing. So I'm all over the place, yeah. honestly. And, no, I got you. and I got a good a jazz list too. Like my, my dad's really into jazz and mm. you know how you find out stuff about your family and stuff that you're like, what? I found out. I think last year that my dad played in a band. Really? Yes, he sang and played the drums in a band. I did not know that. Dad, and I'm like, this is this is why I love music so much. <laughs> You've been holding that good. Yeah. And so like he's really into jazz. So like I I got into jazz to more so from like a meditative uh, place because it's Ooh. actually good music to like play while you're working, Ooh. like jazz music. And so I listen to jazz too. Like yeah, it. it's funny how somebody just told me that we're so much like our dads. Like girls, daughters are much more like their dads. Yes, like you holding out on the goods, dad. I could have, you could have been a. Oh, I could have been a man jamming or something. I'm like, what? Right. I that. What was his instrument? Uh, so he played. He played the drums, and oh. it's so funny because like this is how you do stuff naturally without knowing it. So I did a trip to Belize when I was in college, a week long trip. It was like a, a um, basically kind of like a volunteer project or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I brought him back a drum and he loved it. He loved it so much. And I'm like, well, it makes sense. Yeah, but he didn't tell you. <laughs> he didn't tell me. At that point, he, no. said, like, hey, did you know I used to he never mentioned it. <laughs> I actually found out from my mom because we were having a conversation about music. She's like, yeah, your dad, he was singing the band and playing the drums. I was like, I always would be wondering when we would be driving when I was a kid. He always just be on the steering wheel like this. I'm like, wow, it makes sense. He was a drummer. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> you know, there's a there's another part of you that we didn't really get into, but um, it's your family. Like, yeah. You seem to be a really family-oriented person. I Like, family is everything to me. Yeah. Everything. And I feel like, you know, once I got out of college, relationships and then building a business, I felt like I was spending less time with my family. Mm. And once, I think it was like once like 2018, 2019 hit, I just like that thought of like, I, I need to spend more time with my family because these are like, you know, I do all this stuff is for them. Mm -hmm. Like I'm doing all these, this stuff with business stuff for them. So I need to spend more time with them. So like now, even with the onset of like the pandemic, pandemic and stuff, it actually allowed me more time to see them and spend more time with them. Like I was going home like every month to mm. see them. So like, yeah, family's everything. I have my brother here and then he actually just got married last year. Um, and hopefully I'll be an auntie soon. So, you know, just putting out there. <laughs> Yes, yes. So like, yeah, if it was everything, I love my parents and like, even like growing up as a kid, like I ain't have a whole lot of like best, best friends outside of my family. It was my cousins because mm. cous my cousins like we're like a couple of months apart and then a year apart. So we did everything together. Yeah. So yeah. That, yeah, it's everything to me. I love it. One of the, one of the things like when I think of work and play, it's like, being able to build businesses and have fun and work with your yeah. family. And a lot of times people have like hangups about that. But hearing your passion for your family, do you see like do you foresee any opportunity for like you guys to do business together? Definitely. I definitely see that. I, I definitely like one thing I've been thinking about 
and like me and my brother, we've had conversations about business and things like that. But I feel like we're probably going to be in business with each other. Maybe it might be in the real estate space because he has like a lot of experience with with that and a lot of like knowledge with that. So I definitely see that as a thing. And plus, like even in my conversations and like a lot of my family members come to me for like perspective as a relationship, like strategy with business. This is not me telling them what to do. They come to me asking me about stuff. So I definitely can see that for sure. Yeah. I want that. Honestly, I do. I really do. I don't I don't think it should be a thing like, oh, I can't do business with my family because they I don't I don't think that has to necessarily be the case. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't have to be your reality if you don't want it. To yeah, be. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. 100 percent. Yeah. So when you think back, you've had like a really, really eventful <laughs> career experience. And even now, yeah. like being able, I think all of your experiences ultimately help your clients because you live these different paths. You've had these different experiences. You've read these different books. So it plays a part of your strategy. It's like mm-hmm. you tell me something, my head like calculates it right. And yeah. then whatever I've experienced is what comes into your strategy. Right. So I think that makes you a valuable digital strategist 100%. Yeah. So when you think about your journey though, even though it sounds like real cool, I could be on the roller coaster like that. <laughs> We talked a lot about the ups. So mm-hmm. along the journey in entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. a lot of times we don't talk a lot enough about, about the, the downs. downs. Yeah. So what was like? What are some of the challenges that you've like overcome, and that maybe gave you a little, maybe not doubt, but a little fear, a little. Man, it's so crazy because I think even now there are still things that I'm currently overcoming or like um, going through because like you know even getting into full-time entrepreneurship it came from like a traumatic experience of losing my job and like one thing that i recognized from like doing a lot of like psychological work and working with like a therapist is that i had this like idea about like money from like a place of lack Mm -hmm. because of like things that i experienced when i was growing up with like you know parents getting into hard economic times and not being able to pay bills and stuff like that and i had this thought like I would never be in a position where I'll go through this. Like I'm always have money and all this types of stuff. And then the one fear that I did have was like losing my job. It's so funny. Like when it actually took place, I was already in a space where like I was dealing with like a lot of like microaggressions in the corporate space. And then like, just not really feeling like I had the support to be able to like flourish and like grow in advance in like a healthy environment. So I was already like looking for things to like get out and find like a more like a uh, fruitful environment for me to grow in professionally. So when it happened, it was more so like a release, like a wow, like this, I definitely don't ever want to lose my job, but I'm actually grateful that it did. Cause it was a lot of weight that I lost, but as like navigating into the entrepreneurial space, myself like full time I realized there was like a lot of like beliefs or like um beliefs that come from like lack or like that come from just like I would say poverty minded thinking that I had to like recognize conceptualize and then let go and then accept beliefs that are more so in line with abundance like and things like that so that's still things that I'm going through and even with like working in the space of entrepreneurship, um, one thing that I had to learn is that not all money is good money Mm -hmm. and not all clients are are in alignment with you. Like some client relationships you don't need to have necessarily have and not every no 
is a bad thing. It could be a good thing because that could have been you aligning with something that really wasn't in alignment with like who you are, your values, your purpose and your mission mm -hmm. and the things that you want to do. And even like recognizing like when you do get clients and you have contracts with them, some contracts might not be as good and may need to be pivoted or be redirected. So like it's some things that I've experienced that at first it looked like something that I could be depressed about. Or I, could, I could have anxiety about and I even went through those emotions. But looking from a different perspective, it, it was actually a good thing that happened. So that's one thing that I'm like recognizing in this journey is that things that happen or circumstances that happen outside of your control don't have to necessarily determine like your internal state. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds like um, now with this entrepreneurial journey, it's like a lot of looking at yourself and then really, really analyzing those relationships that you align yourself with. Um, also, this mindset shift of like, and, and the funny thing is the MLM space helps you think in abundance, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, and I would think like that automatically puts you on this like entrepreneurial track. Mm -hmm. But hearing you say like you still have some things to unlearn mm -hmm. and relearn and mm -hmm. grow from. Yes. That's actually really, really, it's um, it's humanizing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like we, we learn things and then we learn them again. Yeah. And it's some stuff that we just have to revisit. Like, oh yeah, I read this before. Yeah. I know this already. Literally. Literally, sometimes like you can and I know for me personally, you can be so caught up in like the work that you have to do that you can lose sight of the things that you already know yeah. internally. Yeah. And you'll be reminded of those things like I know this and then yeah. operated from it. And I, I, I honestly, I honestly enjoy that because I feel like it was I think it was like a post I saw on social media where it's talking about I actually love. It, they were saying, like, I actually love being in a space where I'm presenting with something that I can do better in or that I can unlearn because that means that I'm still human and I still have room for growth. Like, yes. you know, so I just that's a beautiful thing, honestly. So Sounds like self-fulfillment. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. yeah. When you envision like yourself, um, like five, ten, even two years from now, like what does that next level look like for you? Um, it's crazy. I was having a conversation with one of my friends the other day and I um so one person that like inspires me um from the perspective of business, like how he operate operates is like Elon Musk. Cause I feel like he's like a serial entrepreneur. Like he'll like I came up with the concept of PayPal, did that, made money from it, then Tesla, did that, made money from that, now I'm going to space. And honestly, how I look at it for myself in the next five to 10 years, I really wanna be in the space of like a serial entrepreneur. Like it's like, okay, I have this digital strategist thing that I'm still operating because that comes from like the core of who I am, so I'll never let that go. But I want to be able to like navigate and invest into different spaces. Like, okay, like I have this, but then I'm in real estate or I have this and I'm a angel investor. Like one thing, like honestly, I really want to be like an angel investor into like a lot of businesses from um, that are of from people that are diverse. More mm -hmm. so entrepreneurs are people that just don't ha come from communities that have access to the capital to be able to conceptualize those ideas that they have in the business space. And I want to be in a position to be able to have money to invest into those things. So honestly, like I really want to 
be in that place in the next five five to ten years. I love it. Yeah. And it sounds like if I can even extrapolate larger for you, it sounds like ideal success, if I could define it for you, which you I'm a I'm a do try, but I know that's the whole thing. But it's you being able to do this serial entrepreneur as well as keep your family, like keep those two heartbeats going. Yes. It sounds like that's what be a good like flow for yes. you. Yes. So like if you think about that that's just a concept, right? Right. And whatever that looks like is what it looks like. And you think about your present day. Are there any areas do you feel like you're not playing full out, or you kind of like you're not really pushing like you could? Um, it's so funny because I naturally already think like that. Then I feel like I could always be doing more in almost everything. Mm-hmm. So, Me too. so it's like, it's like I feel yeah. like I'm doing stuff. But I feel like I actually could be. So it's it's funny to. I feel like even still there there's more to like learn and grow from in that digital strategy space that I could do more in. I feel like I am doing, but there's still more to do. And I feel like for me, um, one thing that I think is the core of everything that I do and branches off that connects to everything that I do is from like a more so mental health space. Mm. And I feel like I need to invest more into that. Yeah. So I would say mental health yeah mental yeah, health like med- do you meditate I'm, yeah so one thing that i've been um growing in is like meditating so like even when i work out with one of my friends who's also a business owner too uh we'll work out and then we'll do meditation so i've been working on like increasing my times with meditating and um just disconnecting from like the outside world and like connecting with within mm-hmm. um and just really taking time to like visualize um I've been exposed to this guy. His name's like Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm. And he talks a lot about like the science around like how our mind literally creates realities. And um, one thing he talks about is detaching yourself from the past Mm. and connecting yourself to your future self and literally like visualizing it and beyond just visualizing like emotive, like what's what's the emotions that are connected with your future self like how would you feel when you're in this place and literally connecting those emotions to that and putting your yourself in a space on a daily basis of doing that and how that literally will lead to the outcomes that you want to see and i'm like okay yeah so i've been working on doing that myself and it's been powerful Hey guys, it's Ariel from the Work and Play podcast. If you're getting any value from this channel, and I mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel, then I just ask that you do one thing. Please subscribe. Subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so I know what other things that you want to see next. Now let's get back to the episode. So in the vein of you like, you know, manifesting mm-hmm. um, things into your reality and, mm-hmm. and really practicing your mental, um, your mental game, like mm-hmm. going harder in your mental game. Mm-hmm. One of the things that my coaches helped me understand is like I can manifest the kind of clients that I want to work with. Mm-hmm. And so as I think about what am I attracting, who am I attracting, that's mm-hmm. like that's a thing for me, right? Yeah. So as you think about your, you know, your meditation practice and who it is that you really want to attract to yourself, what type of clients are you like really excited about working with? I'm really excited about working with people that are really, really creative. And not just creative in the vein of like, oh, they're artists, they're musicians, they're things like that, but creative as it relates to business and they're very innovative in their thinking. They wanna like go against the status quo, go against the grain. Um, 
very like open-minded in their thinking as it relates to like working in a collaborative space um, and being open to like perspective that may challenge their own thinking about how they think they should do things. Um, so those are the type of clients that I want to uh, attract and definitely like more higher level clients, uh, more high, mm -hmm. high end clients, yeah, high ticket clients. Mm -hmm. So things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can see like the way you, you run, um, your, your current, your thought process around, like, what does it take to build your brand in 2021? It's not just about like branding, but it's also how do we make that brand stand out mm -hmm. and everything that we do is on a technological uh, exactly. platform. Yes. So being able to think around that is like so awesome. And you know, I never asked you like, where did the technology, like, where did your wisdom around technology come from? Um, it's interesting because like, I kind of, I create, um, I connected with like the innovations as it connects to like social media and like I've done like a lot of like research and study to like innovations behind like what transitions people are making in like business, uh, what things that they're looking at. And I've always like had this. So I, I connected to something that just happened, like something that usually happens with me, like when I'm presented with like a problem. I always think of like a solution that would help for it. So that's where I think as far as like the technological space, because one thing that has always like interest me and that I studied um, and did like a lot of research on and looked at articles is around like automation mm. and like how how people are like integrating that in their business and how that really is kind of like reshaping like the job market and how like jobs are are navigated and stuff like that. And I've always thought about like, how can I integrate that in like my recommendations to other business owners or even even help me as a business owner, like integrating that. So that's kind of like always been my perspective, like what what's new going on, what people are talking about as it relates to technology. And I've always like had an interest in that, even as young as a kid is kid. So like. That's kind of where that perspective has come that from. That makes sense. Yeah. That's why you're not like this huge like techie. You are a strategist who knows how to leverage technology to bring the vision to life. Yes. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, as we go into the future, you know, jobs are, some jobs are trendy. Some jobs are here today, gone tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. Why, help us understand why do clients need a digital strategist? And then in the future, what's the future of like the digital strategist position? Um, I would say uh, people need a digital strategist because people have antiquated ways of thinking and people need to be challenged in their, their perspectives of thinking. Um, and when it comes to strategy, you think of you look at a problem or a situation from different multiple perspectives. So it's like multifaceted thinking. And a lot of people, when they think about business, they think about it from like the perspective of the, the specific industry that they're in. And sometimes they don't integrate that thinking as it relates to like technology, as it relates to administration, as it relates to like customer retention, as it relates to um, how you even treat your customer, like customer relations, because some businesses are like terrible with that. And some mm -hmm. people have some businesses have a whole structure and system as it relates to like customers that garners more customers and things like that. So they're not thinking about all of those different like facets to their business. And honestly, their main focus should be customer retention and cu customer uh, client acquisition. So those income generating uh, activities. So 
a strategist comes in and helps to give a voice to those different facets of their business that they might not have like considered that impact those income generating activities, them even having the time to focus on that. So, mm, yeah. Yeah, always gonna be valuable. Yeah. Stick me in and let me figure out how do we build a strategy around it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So, thank you so much, Ama, for joining me on the couch. This has been really great. This is my first time doing that. I was definitely nervous, but this was awesome. Thank you so much. You have a beautiful personality, so I'm just like, we're getting into your story. We're going left and right. And so, I'm glad you've been able to follow my questions because I am so curious about a lot of things, and there's so much for us to get into, which, of course, we didn't get into everything, so we're going to have to... You guys are going to have to connect with Ama on social media yes. so that we can, one, connect with your story and see your growth as an entrepreneur. Yes. And then, two, continue to connect with you and work with you yes. in your business. So one of the things that I do on the show, um, it's like a ceremonial question at this point, mm-hmm. because um, as we move forward and we're reaching our goals and we're reaching our higher heights, there's someone that is in our shoes or there's someone who is like behind us right behind us looking to get their next step looking to get their next win mm-hmm. so when you reach back and you think of someone who whoever that person is whether it's the little girl who was in, in school just kind of creative and thinking <laughs> about autonomy or if it's someone who just needs that confidence to transition and figure out where their flow is mm-hmm. who would that person be like when you think about it in your mind um, but then what would you say to that person i would say to that person trust their gut and trust their journey just trust it. Um, and even if you question yourself, don't allow those questions to stop you from making decisions that may seem like, oh, and it's the funny thing, like even if, as I think about like how I navigated my journey and thought about like, oh, is this the right decision or is this a wrong decision? Every decision, every transition you make, there's something that you can learn from it and you can take with it where you're going next. So that's why I just say like, trust the journey. Whatever that is, however it like develops and art unfolds, just like trust it and trust your gut um, and take risk. And even when you do take those risks, learn from it so you can take more calculated risks. Mm. So that would just be my perspective is to just trust your gut, because I think a lot of times for me personally, like there's a lot of things that I just I depended so much on other people's voices that I didn't trust my own. So I really like value that. It's like telling people just trust your own voice. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. And it sounds like you have trusted your voice and trusted your gut the entire way <laughs> to get to a place where now you get to spend time with your family, work on your business, be knowledgeable—not not 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 only knowledgeable but aware yeah. of the time you spend in your business and the time you spend with your family, so that you can manifest a life. That encompasses all those things. Yes. So thank you again. Thank you. For joining me. And if there's anyone who resonates with your story, um, whether listening or um, watching, where can they get in contact with you? How can they work with you? Um, so you can get connected with me on Instagram at ama.thedigitalstrategist. Also, if you're into going to websites, because a lot of people don't really go to websites <laughs> like that, honestly, you can reach me at uh, www.everlastingperception.com. Um, also, I'm on LinkedIn, just my name, Ama Yates Ekong. And um, yeah, you can reach me on those channels. And also, Everlasting Perception on Facebook, too. So Wonderful. Yeah. Well, there you have it. <laughs> if you haven't had enough notes, then go back, replay this, and then take some notes on how you can actually build your digital strategy um, for your business. Or just go ahead and reach out to Ama. Yes, reach out to yes. me. So until next time, peace out. Yay.